Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. In today's message, Dr. Forrest presents part three of his teaching on healing for the brokenhearted. Well, today we're going to talk about healing for the brokenhearted part three. And this is our third session on healing for the brokenhearted, and it's going to take us in a little bit different direction. We've talked about some of the causes of a wounded soul and a broken heart. We talked about words being spoken against you. We talked about being rejected by your family or by your peers. We talked about people who were close to you, who let you down, who weren't there for you when they when you needed them the most. And then we also talked about how that some people have wounded souls because Christian people and even Christian leaders have treated them horribly and done them wrong. Amen. I think all of us, this is almost a near universal thing. Everybody's experienced a broken heart at least once in their life. All of us have had these scenarios play out in our lives from time to time, and it's not very pleasant. It can be painful. It can wound your soul, and if you're not careful, you can allow it to break your heart. All right, but the answer is always the same. Amen. Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Jesus came to bind up the wounded soul. Amen. I love Psalm 147, verse 3 in the New King James Version. I'm going to read it to you the way it appears in the New King James, and then I'm going to read it to you with some uh, research in the Hebrew and more of a literal rendering. It says, He heals. This is a prophetic statement about Jesus when He would come to the earth. He heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. But if you dig a little deeper, if you look into the Hebrew and sort of study out the nuances of the Hebrew language, you could also say it like this. He puts together the broken pieces of their crushed heart and binds up their sorrows. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? But there's another common cause for a broken heart, and it's not one that too many people include in these kind of discussions. And it goes like this. Dreams that once burned in your heart seem lost or unfulfilled, and your heart is broken. You got a dream in your heart that you know God gave you, but the mistakes you've made, the circumstances of life, the opposition of other people, the passage of time have all made you start to doubt that God can ever bring that dream to pass in your life. Your dreams seem lost. And your heart is literally broken. Amen. Proverbs 13, 12 in the New Living Translation captures this sentiment rather beautifully, I think. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. Defer means to put off, to stretch out or delay. So hope stretched out or delayed makes the heart sick. But a dream fulfilled is like a tree of life. I like the way the Passion Translation says it as well. When hope's dreams seem to drag on and on, the delay can be depressing. But when at last your dream comes true, life's sweetness will satisfy your soul. Now, one more translation that I really like. The Good News Translation says it like this. When hope is crushed... The heart is crushed, but a wish or a dream come true fills you with joy. So when you have the hope of a God-given dream 
seem like it's slipping through your fingers or it's now out of reach or it seems impossible. It can crush your heart. It can break your heart. Amen. I want to go through some reasons that dreams seem lost. And there's four of them. We're going to cover two today. But I think most of you can identify with these, uh, at least one of these, maybe all of these. Number one, these are reasons dreams seem lost to us. Number one, it's been so long since you received your dream, it seems like time is running out. Anybody else besides me ever feel like that? Number two, the circumstances of your life say there's no way your dream will ever come to pass. Number three, you tried to make things happen yourself and the mistakes you made only made things worse. And number four, you missed it so badly that you believe there's no way to recover and your dream is lost forever. Let me ask for a show of hands. How many can relate to at least one of those four things that I talked about. Amen. So today we're going to talk about one and two. Next week we'll get into three and four. So starting with number one, it's been so long since you received your dream, it seems like time is running out. You know, there's something about the passage of time that seems to erode our confidence in God's ability to bring our dream to pass. Amen. There's just something about the passage of time that wears you down. Amen? But listen to me. I've studied time for many years. If God is the author of time, if He's the master of time, I assure you, time cannot prevent God from bringing your dream to pass in your life. Amen? Concerning the subject of time, there's a bigger picture that I want you to see this morning, a much more panoramic view of looking at these kind of things. Let me illustrate with a forest family example. Now, I raised three girls, and so I lived in a house full of females for the better part of my married life. And the dogs were female, too. <laughs> I had one male cat. He was my bro. But even he had a female name because we didn't know which he was when we got him, so we called him Nala from Lion King. I won't tell you, I won't tell instead of Simba. Anyway, I won't tell you what the girls uh, called him, what his nickname was. I'll tell you offline sometime. But when our girls were younger, when they were preteens and teenagers, uh, they used to love family video night. Back in the day when you had to go out and rent videos, uh, we would do that. Sometimes uh, even before we had a video player, we would even rent a video player. Anybody relate to that? Anyway, they would love Friday night, movie night, and we would go to the video store, and of course, I always lost when it came to picking the movie that everybody wanted to watch. I wanted to watch an action flick, and instead, I was subjected to a never-ending continuum. We're going to get to that word again here in a minute. A never-ending continuum of romantic comedies and chick flicks. <laughs> Trust me, folks, I've seen them all. I can quote the lines. <laughs> Inevitably, when we got ready to watch the movie, we'd always have this argument about whether we should watch it in widescreen format or formatted to fit the TV. 
And all the females in the house wanted it formatted to fit the TV. I'm like, that's crazy. You don't know what you're missing. With widescreen, there's so much that you're missing when you try to cram it into your TV set. And they were like, yeah, Dad, but it looks really goofy with the gap on the top and the gap on the bottom. I'm like, you'll get used to it. And you'll appreciate the things that you're missing if you watch it in widescreen format. Anyway, sometimes I think we need to look at our life and we need to look at the subject of time with the widescreen format. You know why? Because it is the format that the director of the film intended you to see. Just like your life, your calling, and your times, you need to look at the widescreen version, the one that God invented, the one that God, the director of your life, wants you to see. Amen? Sometimes we have too myopic a view of time and how God can do things, and we limit him when he's not limited. We need the panoramic, widescreen version of God's plan for our life. If you'll get that, I promise you'll be a whole lot less discouraged about the passage of time. All right. Amen. Let me illustrate this awesome concept uh, with uh, one of the scriptures that my wife and I love in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. And what I've done here is I've sort of mixed up the King James Version and the Amplified and pieced together uh, a couple of verses here. So I hope it's not too confusing, but I don't think it will be. Amen. Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. All right. The King James starts out like this. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly. The Amplified says super abundantly. Far over and above all that we dare ask or think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams, according to the power that worketh in us. Switching back to the King James. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now, one thing I want you to see before we move on here is that word translated world in the King James is the Greek word eon. It means a period of time or ages of time. So a better way to read that verse is to say that there will be time without end. Amen? Time without end. And I say that because we've been conditioned to think that time will one day be no more. Based on what we just read, it's not really scripturally accurate to say that. Amen? It's also fashionable to say that there is no time in heaven or in the heavenly realm. I hear that all the time. Preachers say it all the time. I'm saying, you're wrong, guys. I know what you're trying to say, but you're not saying it right. Revelation chapter 8, verse 1 says that when Jesus opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. So evidently, according to the Bible, there is time in heaven too. It may not be the same as our time, but there is time in heaven. They have something called an hour, or else they wouldn't have something called a half an hour. Amen? <laughs> Listen, we've also been conditioned to think that if we don't accomplish everything God's placed in our heart in this life, that there will be no opportunity in the next life to do so. If our dreams are not fully realized in this life, then we believe they won't be in the next life. What a boring existence it would be, amen? I think 
Also, we've conditioned ourselves to think that in the next life, somehow we'll be different. We'll be boring. Aimless, purposeless drifters floating through heaven, playing a harp and singing a song. That we won't have dreams. We won't have assignments. We will no longer have gifts and callings from the Lord. But nothing could be further from the truth. Let me tell you what the Bible has to say about that. Romans eleven twenty nine in the Amplified. For God's gifts and His call are irrevocable. That means they can't be taken back. He never withdraws them when once they are given, and He does not change His mind about those to whom He gives His grace or to whom He sends His call. Listen, like it or not, God has not changed His mind about the gifts and callings He's placed on your life. Even if you put them on the shelf, He's not going to withdraw that call. He's going to urge you by His Spirit. Listen, take your calling, take your gifts, and run the race that I set before you. Amen? Because if you do, there'll be reward for you in the next life. I like the way one preacher says that I admire a lot. He said, you're writing your resume right now for what you'll do in the millennial reign of Christ. So run your race and complete your course, amen, if you want the dream assignment in the next life. Amen. Most people don't think about things like that. Hallelujah. I challenge you to think about your life, your gifts, your calling, your dream from a much broader perspective when it comes to time. The widescreen version that I alluded to earlier. Amen. The one that God, the director of your life, intended you to see. All right, I want to go back to Ephesians 3.21 and see what we can learn about time from God's perspective. And I'm going to read that verse again the way it breaks down literally in the original Greek. All right? Ephesians 3.21. Unto him be glory. The one who, verse 20 says, is able to do all these fantastic things beyond our wildest imagination. Unto him. Unto him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Time without end. Amen. I love that. That means no one gets left out. Every believer from every generation can hold on to this promise from God. It means there will be no lack of days. Hear me. Hear me out. It means there will be no lack of days, weeks, months, years, decades, centuries, millennia. There will be absolutely no lack of time for God to bring about everything in your life that He placed in your life. Amen to bring it to fruition, to bring it to life. Time without end. Now, I know when people talk about there is no time, what they're trying to say is time will cease to have meaning because there'll be so much of it. You'll never have time as an enemy again. You'll never have time weighing down on you again because there's just no end to time. It lasts forever and ever and ever. Time without end. And I say, amen, because I got some big dreams and some of them are going to take a bit of time. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. And some of those things that we dream about now might just happen in another time, in another place, in the next life perhaps in ways that are currently beyond our ability to conceive. 
Here's something I ponder from time to time. Sometimes I'm strange in the way I think, but maybe you can relate to this. What if your dream is too big for this world? Too big for this age? I think about the men and women that dreamed hundreds of years ago about flying to the moon when it was absolutely technologically impossible. That's an example of a dream that's too big for your current age. Amen? I think about things like that. Barring some supernatural transportation or teleportation, those dreams were too big for the age in which those people lived. Why do I relate to that? Well, I had a dream that I believe to this day was planted in my heart by the Lord Jesus himself. I wanted to be an astronaut. I wanted to fly in space. I worked my whole life toward that goal. I applied four times for the astronaut program, but was never accepted. The closest I came was in 1994, when I was one of three pilots chosen out of scores of applicants for a research pilot position at the NASA Glenn Research Center in Cleveland. Three pilots chosen out of about 60 applications. And I thought, if I get this job, you know, some of the NASA astronauts were research pilots before they were astronauts. Neil Armstrong was one of them. So I said to myself, if I get this job, I'm only one step away from the astronaut program. But it came down between me and another guy, and he got chosen, not me. I tell you, my heart was broken. My heart was broken. But I want to share the real mind blower. I've had time to think about it since I never made it to space via NASA. The Lord reminded me, I didn't just want to fly in space. I wanted to fly to the stars. And that's something that is technologically impossible in this day and age. Evidently, my dream is too big for this world. It's too big for this current age. I hope everybody still comes to my church after I tell them I want to fly in space. I want to go to the stars. <laughs> it's just part of who I am. That's why we have the UFO lights, Trish said. <laughs> Actually, they're like tractor beams, and they're pulling people into this church. Y'all just don't know about it. So I say again, my dream is too big for this world. It's too big for this current age. But I'm not letting go of those dreams because I believe God is the one that planted them in my heart. Hear me out. I've just given them over to him because he's able to do super abundantly above all I ask or think, infinitely beyond my highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams, according to the power of God that is already working on the inside of me. Amen. He'll find a way to bring it to pass. In fact, I think he already has. If not in this life, in the next. So don't ever let the passage of time weigh you down and make you doubt God's ability to bring your dream to pass. Now I know there's plenty of dreams that he wants to be fulfilled in this life. 
But if for some reason they're not fully realized in this life, you got to know God is not going to forget your dream. It'll just follow you into the next life. And I promise you, he will fulfill it to the uttermost in ways that are beyond your conception right now. Am I blowing your mind? I don't see any smoke in here yet. (laughs) Hallelujah. So now that I got your attention, and you know that you have a pastor that's a stargazer and a potential star flyer. By the way, my wife Trish said, listen, I'm going to stay in my mansion with my animals. You go fly in space. Let me wax scientific for just a moment. And I want you to sort of put your thinking cap on. Your life is a continuum. That's a scientific way of saying that life and consciousness will not change along that continuum no matter how much time has elapsed over the ages. You may lose your body temporarily for a short period of time, but even then, you're getting a new glorified body and you're coming back to the earth to rule and reign with Jesus. So there will be a seamless transition of one form of life into another form of life. Amen? But life and consciousness and your awareness will not change. That's the essence of what they mean when they talk about a continuum. Bottom line, once your life has begun, there will be no end to it. You had a beginning, but you will never, ever have an end. Kind of blows your mind to think about. And I believe that the dreams God places in your heart, if you hold fast to them, if you pursue them, if you're faithful to your calling, those dreams will follow you along that continuum. And if for some reason they're not completely fulfilled in this life, they will be in the next life. Amen? So set yourself free of the burden of time, of the weight of time, of the worry of time. Just put it in God's hands. He's already said he's able to do super abundantly, far over and above all you dare ask or think. Infinitely beyond your highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, or dreams. That's pretty heavy because i got some big dreams. And God says, oh, yeah? Well, I'll one-up you. You'll see. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, I want to talk real quickly about, I'm not sure we're going to be able to make it through one and two. I thought we would, but um, we'll at least get through number one. This is a prime example I find in the scriptures of this concept I'm talking about. This concept of your your dream following you into the next life. There actually is a scriptural example, and I think it's fascinating. Some of you have heard me talk about this before, but some of you hadn't, and those that have heard it probably need to hear it again. I want to talk about, just for a minute, Elisha's double anointing. If you go through the book of 1 Kings, you find out that the prophet Elijah moved and operated in the supernatural anointing of God in 14 occasions recorded in Scripture. But if you go over there and study the life of Elisha, you find out that there were 27 occasions where the supernatural power of God, the anointing of God, operated through his life. Now, if you do the math, like me, and you're thinking of the fact that Elisha 
asked the Lord through the prophet Elijah for a double portion of his anointing, you're thinking 14 should be 28 for Elisha, but it's one shy of 28. But God is faithful. After Elisha died, something wonderful happened. I want to read this to you. This is a mind blower. Amen. 2 Kings 13, verse 20 and 21 in the New Living Translation. You know, it seemed mathematically, 14 and 27, that the promise of God was not fulfilled before Elisha died. But listen what the scripture says. Then Elisha died and was buried. Groups of Moabite raiders used to invade the land each spring. Once when some Israelites were burying a man, they spied a band of these raiders. So they hastily threw the corpse into the tomb of Elisha and fled. But as soon as the body touched Elisha's bones, the dead man revived and jumped to his feet. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, our non-spirit-filled denominational folks, they don't get this scripture because they don't understand the anointing. But when I taught in the Bible school back in Louisiana, there were... I call them the two T's of the anointing. Number one, the anointing is tangible. It can be felt. Number two, it is transferable. Over there in Acts chapter 19, it says that cloths and handkerchiefs were taken to the body of Paul. And, you know, they put him on his body and then he would take him to the other people would take him to the sick and the sick would be healed and and uh, demon possessed and the demons would come out. Now, I don't profess to understand how the anointing is transferable in that way, but evidently the Scripture says it is transferable. Amen. So, during this time, Elisha had evidently, um, let me find a nice word to say this, he had uh, disintegrated to the point where he was just bones, yet there was still enough anointing on his bones to raise a dead man from the dead, amen. Glory to God. And I got to thinking, I put my math calculator together and I said, 14 needs to be 28. 27 instances in his first life where he used the power of God, the anointing of God, and then one instance in his next life, after he had left this life, after he was in Abraham's bosom, he still accomplished a miracle in his body. Amen. I like to think about it like this. Somebody in Abraham's bosom went up to Elisha, tapped him on the shoulder, said, Guess what? You just got number 28. God is faithful. Your body's still working for the Lord, even though it's in the tomb. Again, I say this is the prime example. The dreams of Elisha actually followed him into the next life. If it was true for him, it will be true for us. Amen. Hallelujah. Is that a mind blower or what? Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I think I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up there. We'll, we'll get into two, three, and four next week. This is probably going to be another two weeks uh, before we wrap this up, but that's all right. I'm having fun. You having fun? I'm learning something, you learning something. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So let me wrap it up by saying this. Glory to God. 
Don't let the weight of time, don't let the burden of time, don't let the worry of time make you think God cannot fulfill your dreams. He is not limited by time. There is no lack of days for him to bring to pass his will for your life. I like Psalm 138, verse 8 and 9, says something like this. Lord, perfect that which concerns me, for you're the one who made me. You know? One translation says, you will accomplish your purpose in me. That's my faith. That's my statement. And time, no amount of time, no lack of time is going to stop me from fulfilling God's dreams in my life. As long as I cooperate with him, amen, as long as I allow the power of God to work on the inside of me, I'm marching toward the fulfillment of all those dreams. Time really isn't your enemy. It is your friend. I know we need to, you know, paradigm shift there. We need to change the way we think about time. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed part three of Dr. Forrest's teaching on Healing for the Brokenhearted. If you are in the Wilmington area and are looking for a place to worship, come join us on Sunday at 10 a.m. for coffee and fellowship, 10.30 for worship and service, and on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. for spirit-filled prayer. If you would like to learn more about us, access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, and find Dr. Forrest's in-depth teaching notes, visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.